Hello, my darlings. We hope you're having a very happy holidays. This past Labor Day at Dragon Con in Atlanta, we performed our very first live show. This was incredibly fun, and we wish you all could have been there with us. We recorded that live performance, and now it's our Christmas gift to you. We brought back some familiar faces and added a little spin on a story you may already know. We can't thank you enough for all your love and support. So enjoy. And from our family to yours, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Merry Yule, and all other holidays you may celebrate around the world. Welcome, my darlings, to our first ever live show here at DragonCon. I'm so glad you've joined us, for today it is our honor to present the special Christmas bonus episode that will be coming out later this year. So sit back and enjoy as we present A Second Chance. a bit of a story that I want to share with you, if you'll let me. I know it's been a while since I've talked to you guys, but I wanted to bring you this story since it's Christmas. So, Tommy was dead to begin with. There's no doubt whatsoever about that. He was found dead by his wife, Mary, and his death was confirmed by the coroner and Dr. Wiseman. Old Tommy was as dead as a doornail. What's strange is I found all these notes from Dr. Wiseman in files. It seems almost like fragments of his diary, and they're all labeled around Christmas time. So, of course, I wanted to share it with you guys. Merry Christmas, Dr. Weissman. Christmas? Uh, bah. Humbug. Humbug? Oh, come on, Dr. Weissman. You don't really think that, do you? I do. It is my thought that any fool who goes around shouting, uh, Merry Christmas, uh, should have his very heart taken out. <laughs> Dr. Weissman! Josie, you celebrate Christmas your way, and let me celebrate it in my way. But you don't even celebrate it. Precisely. I cannot stand it in just a, a big day where people pretend to be good and, and spend money on people they do not really care about. <laughs> I have always thought of Christmas time as a kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. I get to sing Christmas carols to everyone, and it brings everyone closer together. This year, I'm going to take a few of the performers caroling through the levels. I'm even going to sneak down to the stowaways. They deserve Christmas, too. I don't get anything out of it other than just that warm feeling in my heart. I love it. Josie, please leave my office. <sighs> Fine, then. Well, Merry Christmas, Dr. Weissman. Goodbye, Josie. And a Happy New Year. Goodbye, Josie. All right. So he just up and sends Josie out like that. That's weird. And his voice is doing that thing again. I just wanted to see how everybody was doing on Christmas. I hope... I'm too nervous to hope at this point. Let's just keep moving. 
Oh, uh, excuse me, uh, Dr. Weissman. Uh, hello, uh, Mr. Um... Uh, Malerny. You can call me Colin now. Uh, yes. What do you want? Right. Uh, so, uh, this festive season of the year, Dr. Weissman, I'm taking up a collection for a nice dinner for all the stowaways down below. Christmas is really rough on them, not having much food and all, so a bunch of the other passengers are donating their portions to let them have a nice Christmas dinner. How much can I put you down for? Nothing. Do you want to be anonymous? Uh, no, I want you to leave me alone. You wanted to know what I wanted to do, and the answer is nothing. I can't afford to make a group of stowaways, Mary. Uh, I can barely care for myself. Why don't they just make a deal with the farm themselves? Well, now listen, we, <coughs> they, built this ship. At the very least, they deserve our gratitude for that. They're already struggling enough, and many are going hungry. Some of them probably die without a good solid meal. Well, if that is what they are going to do, then oh, they had better go ahead and do it. <sighs> well, that was... I don't know what's gotten into Dr. Weissman. He's a really generous person. I I'm not sure why he's suddenly acting so strange, but... I guess let's move on. Um, so, okay, he went and had dinner, and then he went back to his room... And the door knocker on his stateroom wasn't particularly remarkable. But this time when he looked at it, it was Tommy's face instead. It, it had a dismal light about it, like the lowest depth of the ocean. And as he stared at it, letting all this guilt fill him, it just turned back into a door knocker. Yeah, ridiculous. He went in and slammed the door shut. And the sound echoed through every part of his stateroom, almost making it feel even more empty. He didn't bother to turn on the lights, because he figured it was just a waste of electricity. Not to mention, it's not like he was scared of the dark or echoes. He went back into his bedroom and he locked the door, which oddly enough is something he doesn't usually do. But then. Oh, oh dear. Who is there? I know some weird situations have been going on on this ship for a while now, so so whoever it is, show yourself. Uh, ah, a, a ghost. What what do you want with me? Quite a lot. Who who are you? Ask me who I was. Very well. Um, who were you then? In life, I was your patient, Tommy Washburn. That is scientifically impossible. You don't believe in me? I do not. I'm right in front of you. Why do you doubt your own senses? Because every little thing affects them. I had a heavy dinner, and that could easily cause me nightmares. You may be an undigested bit of... Um, Beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, hmm, hmm. a fragment of an underdone potato. Hmm. Oh, there is an entire mountain of reasons that could cause me to have such a foolish nightmare. <laughs> ah, my word, a dreadful apparition. Why do you trouble me? Uh, why is a ghost standing in my room? Why have you chosen to bother me? It is required of every man to travel, to do well for his fellow man. 
And if one does not do that in life, then they are condemned to do it in death. I cannot rest, I cannot stay, I cannot linger anywhere. My spirit never walked much for my fellow man. I never traveled, and now weary journeys lie before me. I am here tonight to warn you that you do not have to be stuck like me. You will be haunted by three spirits. Expect the first tomorrow night when the clock strikes one. Expect the second on the next night at the same hour. And the third on the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. That's all for now. <laughs> Dr. Weissman tried to say humbug, but he stopped at the first syllable. Seeing the ghost of a former patient had him shook. A part of him still couldn't believe he'd spoken to the soul of the patient. Yet a part of him couldn't reject the thought either. Nevertheless, he was beyond exhausted, and so he just went to bed. He probably didn't even put on any pajamas. I mean, I'd go to sleep as fast as humanly possible had that been me. However, Dr. Weissman woke up to his clock loudly chiming once, and the room went deadly silent, and the curtains on his bed were suddenly yanked back with a flourish. Uh, uh, are you the spirit that has come to torture me? Oh, calm the hell down. Yes, it's me. Mrs. Mrs. Rutherford, what, what, why are you here? Well, you're being rude about Christmas, so I'm here as your ghost of Christmas past. As she said that, she led Dr. Weissman to the door, but instead of opening it, of course, they walked straight through it and onto a very familiar dining room floor. It was lavishly decorated with congratulations banners and champagne bottles everywhere. People were celebrating and chatting, and there was the loud blare of a horn. Do you know what this is? Oh, of course I do. It is the first day we set sail. They walked around, noticing everybody getting to know each other for the first time. But in the corner, at her own private table, sat a young woman with a beautiful lavish mink coat. Oh, it is Miss Edmund. She looks so stunning, as she always did. Oh, hey, Dr. Weissman. Yeah, over here. Nora was there, alive again, and in front of him. Then from behind, he heard a strangely familiar voice. Then himself, or what at least appeared to be himself, came hurrying past. Oh, yes, Miss Edmund. Have you given consideration to my proposal? In a way, yes. I have some questions for you. I'm not just going to say yes to be in somebody's experiment while I'm supposed to be relaxing. Absolutely. I understand your apprehension, and I just think... Can you sit down? You're making me nervous standing up like that. Uh, yes, ma'am. Now... So, uh, what I was saying... These tapes, why are you doing them? You are a very blunt person. I appreciate that. So I will be blunt as well. I used to work with uh, prisoners, helping them to cope with isolationism. I was hired for this boat to study and document how passengers cope with living in this enclosed space for an uh, extended period of time. Your participation would mean you could help shape the care for future passengers on potential ships. And if I say yes? Well, I would need to meet with you later at my office to do a formal uh, intake and get you uh, set up. Well, I'll think about it. If I decide yes, you'll see me in your office. Uh, very well, then. I will look forward to it. You know, she actually believed in you. What do you mean? She was a hot ass, but she really did want to help the world. 
Just never thought she could, until you, that is. What is it? You seem distraught. It's... It is not that, Penny. Uh, you stand there and tell me that Miss Edmund believed in me, and now she... Please, please get me out of here. That actually is our cue to go. Now come on, dear. They walked right back through the wall and wound up in Dr. Weissman's room again. He walked towards his bed, and when he turned around, Penny was gone. He thought for certain he'd had some terrible dream that left him sleepwalking, so he climbed right back into bed. And as soon as he pulled the blankets up, he felt exhausted. And he was overcome by this irresistible drowsiness. And further, of course, being back in his own bedroom. He barely had time to reel before he sank back into a heavy sleep. But he didn't get to sleep long. He suddenly awoke in his bed again, realizing his room wasn't his room. It was downstairs in the stowaways level. He was surrounded by tables and chairs, all decorated with simple paper confetti and streamers. It was sparse, but homey. And there was a shrill sound coming from down the corridor. Oh, he's away! Well, who wouldn't be if you're going to yell like that? Come on, come on. Come talk to us for a while. Look, check out this fur fairy got me in the top. Oh, what? Yes, it is. Uh, uh, and why are you two here? Look, I know you're whatever kind of doctor it is that don't do feet, but I know you're at least smart. Yeah, come on, it's us, Doc. You know who we are. Poor thing. He's so old, I think his brain is, uh, you know what. Mm. I beg your pardon. I am not, um, um, senile. Um, I know you are the Abiatis, but why are you here, and where am I? We are second spirits, here to show you a Christmas present and all that shit. So come on, shake a tail feather. We ain't got all night. Dr. Weissman hurried out of bed, and in a blink, the bed was gone. All around him, the stowaways ran together, filling in the tables and the chairs. Then in walked Aiden. Dr. Weissman looked at the pair, confused. What is this? Uh, I thought you were supposed to show me the present, but Mr. Manis... We're teaching you as a lesson. Don't criticize the work. Show some respect. Now hush up and pay attention. And hush up he did. He watched with a sadness in his heart as Aiden stood happily at the front, Searsha by his side and looking happier than Dr. Weissman could ever remember. Then a pair of women came in slowly from the back. Cindy! Oh, so glad you could come. Thank you so much for having us. May I introduce... Betty! Oh, is this the long young lass you've been telling us about? You know that's Mary, right? Of course I do. For heaven's sake, I'm not blind. I'm just saying that's a good disguise. Is it all right that she came? I, just, I know food's a little thin. It's fine, it's fine. Uh, the kitchen's donated some food down to us. We at least can all can enjoy some of the fine things tonight. That's so wonderful. What made them all feel so generous? Oh, they talked to the Ridgies and the farm level. And, and Oh, that's that cute. Uh, what, what do you mean? The Abiatis grabbed Dr. Weissman by the arm and quickly escorted him to the wall and promptly through the wall and into the farm level. Dr. Weissman took a moment for the woozy feeling to stop. Oh, the farm? Why are we here? Hey, did we tell you how to do your job? Leo was sitting down with Fiona in front of her painting. They were both alive and happy, cuddled up close, holding plates of small Christmas dinners, eating and laughing. So why did you start doing Dr. Weissman's study? Uh, well, I really shouldn't hear this. Uh, I am only supposed to hear what is on the tapes. Will you hush? You need to hear this. Truthfully, I liked that my words, my thoughts, my ideas, and my feelings might matter to someone else. I spent so long in a bad way that 
I hadn't even realized my opinion could matter until Dr. Weissman asked me to participate. For the first time, I felt important. Oh, I know that sounds silly. No, no, it makes perfect sense. I feel the same way. I mean, obviously, I don't understand it like you. I don't come from a life like that. But, I mean, I'm a farmer. I'm the youngest of eight. Eight? <laughs> yeah. Around my place, there were two kinds of people, the quick and the hungry. I got to farm when Pa died, and my brother Antonio came to work on it with me. I ran it, but he never treated me like it. No matter what I did, I was always the dumb little brother fighting to be heard. Dr. Weissman, he made me feel like I mattered. Oh, Leo, you do matter. You're so sweet and, and talented and strong. Well, not half as strong as you. I don't know about all that, but I'm really glad we met. Spirits, please do not show me this. They died because of me. Why would you show me them being grateful to me? Oh, this isn't even happening right now. They are already dead. No, but this was the truth. Look, I don't know how we do this stuff. We could just be figments of your imagination. I don't know. You're supposed to be the smart one here. Yeah, Doc, you need to see that all these people were grateful for what you did for them. You gave them a voice. And they died because of it. Oh, I want to go. Take me back. Touchy, touchy. Sheesh, I come on. Suddenly, he was in his bed again. Dr. Weissman rubbed his eyes, fighting back the tears. He had met such beautiful people, and now they were dead because of him. He got as comfortable as he could in his bed and tried to close his eyes, finding that to be even a little too difficult, when suddenly the clock chimed again. As the last chime finished, a figure entered the room. It was a tall, intimidating thing standing before him. It had a long black cloak with the hood raised, partially obscuring its horrific face. Uh, you, you must be the last spirit, uh, the, the one for the future. T tell me, is that who you are? It gave him no reply. It simply raised its hand and pointed out towards the darkness. Oh, fine then. Lead me wherever you must. Uh, this hellish night will be over as soon as I am done with you. So let us hurry. They walked towards the darkness and they wound up on the streets of New York City. It was uncomfortably loud with the sounds of the city, the cars everywhere, people yelling. And from across the street, he recognized two old colleagues that he used to work with at the Halls of Justice. Oh, it is Robert and Gregory. Oh, they look well. But they weren't well. They were quite solemn, in fact. He rushed over to listen to what they were talking about. I don't know much about it either way. I only know he's dead. When did that happen? Uh, papers say last week uh, the ship sank quickly, and it seemed by the time anyone could get out there to help, Everyone was gone. Poor Harold. Mm. He was a good man. Mm. Well, we always knew this John would kill us. <laughs> what do you think they'll do with his studies? All of his effects from his home? Oh, haven't heard. Uh, auction, perhaps. That wasn't in his will, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> the figure finally turned to him, slowly and with great intimidation, and it spoke. They don't even miss you. Why would you say such a thing? Please, take me somewhere else. 
Very well. The world around them shifted, and it turned to a snow-covered courtyard, and in front of them, a rusted iron gate. Above it, the words Lehman Cemetery, chalked with snow. Lehman? That name? That, that is the name of the company that made the ship. Go inside. Look around. Dr. Weissman opened the gate, walking inside. There were hundreds of graves, covered in a light dusting of snow. As he walked, the names began to feel familiar. Rows and rows of headstones, and across them he began to see etched into the stone the names Washburn, Manus, Edmund, Moretti, Bedivere, Rutherford, and in the middle of the farthest row, Weissman. I, I, I do not know what to say. Tell me, what happened to all of us? You heard them. The ship sank. Every soul on board my meal. And I have you to thank for it. Me? I would never help someone like you. But of course you did. When I found this ship, your study was so interesting. I followed you, watched your work, and used your tapes to know exactly when their hearts were perfectly right. Then I took them. You see, you never did this study, I may have left you all alone. You are lying. Uh, you are some nightmare rooted in my grieving of my patience. Uh, I will not accept this. Take me home. You know I'm right. You know that no matter what you do, this is your future. No, this is not my future. I will not let it be. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll give you a special Christmas present. I'll give you proof that nothing you can do will change this. What are you going to do with me? Not you. Everyone on the boat. Everybody littering this graveyard. Here, let me show you. Suddenly, everything went white. And when Dr. Weissman reopened his eyes, it was the utopia. But everybody was running around him. They were alive and rushing everywhere. And suddenly, someone crashed into him. Oh. oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. You're not hurt, are you? Oh, but y yes, I am. Wait, where are you rushing to? I wrote my room number down wrong, and now I can't find it at all. Good first day on the ship, huh? Please, pardon me, I have to go find it. Oh, uh, yes, ma'am, please, go. Hey, hey, Jerry, get those cows settled down below quick. They can't be stressing out like this. Oh, excuse me, sir. Uh, me? Uh, yeah, what's your name? Um, Harold Weissman, I am a, uh, a psychologist. Uh, a psychologist, huh? Nice, I might need you to look at my squash later. Uh, look, sir, you're going to want to go somewhere over there. We're about to bring some really large crates through here. You don't want to get trampled. Dr. Weissman got out of the way, and he headed back towards his stateroom. It was the first day again. Either the nightmare was just that, or he had a chance to try again. Whatever it was, he was going to make the most of it. As he got to his room door, he saw a shadow off in the corner, and he headed towards it. Oh, who is there? Dr. Weissman followed the shadow down the hall, into the stairwell, and crept down each step so as not to be suspect. When he reached the bottom, he slowly creaked the door open, to see Aiden, 
standing there happily settling in all of his fellow stowaways. And somehow this image made the entire world real for him. He had a chance to try again, to truly make a difference in these people's lives and hopefully keep them from the horrors that could be lurking. He heaved a huge sigh of relief and sat down on the stairs, watching the happiness unfold before him. All right now, everyone, all right. If we can just keep quiet, then we can really do this. I made some arrangements for food and everyone brought a good blanket, yeah? Now we have a new home now. No more worrying about this stupid war. I guess, yes, I know we've still got a bunch more to do, but for now, let's all just get some good rest. Uh, kids, if you go ahead and sit down over here, I'll read you a good story, okay? I found some books in me things. Uh, come on now, settle in, yeah? Dr. Weissman wiped a few small tears in his eyes as he listened to Aiden read. He let himself feel hope for the first time that night. He could do this. He really was going to make this second time better. He hadn't realized he'd nodded off, but he woke up just in time to hear the end of the story. He smiled, and it felt like it was the first time he ever had. Oh. God bless us, everyone. The Blood Crow Stories is written and produced by Ellie Collins and Scott Moore. Season one, The SS Utopia, written by Ellie Collins. Dr. Weissman is David Benedict. Tommy Washburn is Judson Ragsdale. Penny Rutherford is Angel Ash. Aiden Manis is Joe Ravenson. Leo Moretti is Charlie Close. Cindy is Leif Ballard, and Mary Washburn is Laura Hauser. Nora Edmond is Emily Thomas. Lindsay Van Pelt is Josie Valentine. Max is Evan Ivey. Fiona Bedivere is Amanda Van Heil. Gregory is <laughs> Daniel Van Heil. And Darla and Barry are Ellie Collins and Zachary Vado. Also Collins, Zachary Vado. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. And even featuring Eric Ravenscraft as Malsef the Ancient. <laughs> Biggest applause of all. You torture us all so much. <laughs>